we don't do a lot of ultra modern projects. So in turn, when we go to pitch those, when I flip through our photo deck, it doesn't look like the modern homes because we don't do modern homes. We typically do more traditional classic homes. At what point, for example, my company, do we generate some photography that shows a beautiful theater in a white box that appeals to the younger, um, you know, kind of yuppie population that wants that ultra modern thing as a sales tool, because there's no difference in us doing that in a traditional home versus a modern home. Well, there's been stock photography for a very long time. So you could make an argument that you're using stock photography. I don't think the AI concept comes into play necessarily in marketing and advertising as long as you want to be as truthful as you can in advertising. I mean, people, you know, you could write a little tagline, you know, not an actual home. I don't know. There's, you know, there's <laughs> ways to do that. Yeah, that's one fine looking barbecue pit. Why doesn't mine look like that? Ah! Expo recap, AI tools for your business, and D-Tools has a mid-year report. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. This is Resi Week, episode 399, Who's a Good Actor? Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Bob Archer. He is the senior editor over at CE Pro. How you doing, Bob? Awesome. And you, Matt? I'm doing fantastic, especially because my Cowboys beat your Patriots. <laughs> then, <laughs> see, in the key there is you don't give them time to respond. Uh, then we've got my good friend, Avi Rosenthal. He's a partner at Blue Suave. How you doing, Bob? Avi. I'm doing well, even though most people say it blue sad, but that's okay. I, I'll take sorry. it any way it comes. As I long as you don't call it. me late for dinner, you know, you can call me no. anything you want. Uh, yeah, my Giants are not doing much better either, although, you know, tonight. They should could, be. They should be. That's why tonight, Seattle could be fun. Now I just gave away when we record this, but. Everybody knows it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, but I'm, I'm glad to be here. Still still in the afterglow of the, the afterglow. Cedia show. It was, well, uh, wonderful. It was a wonderful event. Because that's the first story we're going to talk about. Uh, this comes to us from CE Pro, uh, CD Expo and Commercial Integrator Expo. Attendance has clocked in at around 13,000 uh, for Denver last month, including all three of us. Um, <coughs> read through the article uh, uh, again here from our good friend Arlen. Um, covers the show, uh, kind of an overview in detail, uh, including the registered and verified attendance. Uh, which was a 7.6 increase from last year's event. Uh, obviously, um, CIX was a nice little addition to this. Bob, let me let me start with you on this story here. The it, I was there for two and a half days, I think. Um, it seemed to be very successful. Everywhere I looked, there was people everywhere, um, which gave me pause when I walked in the door, having not been in a big event for quite a while. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of people there. <laughs> Super spreader. Yeah, yeah. The numbers looked uh, really good. The vibe on the floor was fantastic. Was the numbers bump? Do you, do you attribute that to excitement for the show? Do you in, attribute that to, you know, still the aftermath of COVID a little bit, uh, the addition of the CIX, or was it just a great you know, increase in 
people want together, wanting to get together. And of course, uh, Denver's never a bad place to do that in. I think it's a couple of things, Matt. First, for whatever reason, and this baffles me, you know, especially as a Boston guy, but for whatever reason, people love Denver and I, I can't explain it, but. I don't get it either. <laughs> That's Klondike 5. Just write your letters to care of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for whatever reason, people love Denver and I get, I suppose it makes sense. It's, it's a fairly easy, um, commute to whether you're on the east coast or west coast or or midwest but mm-hmm. um i i think what it really means is or what all those numbers mean putting uh the commercial integrator expo aside is that people you know through the pandemic really took stock in what a live trade event means i i remember the first few months of covid uh people were saying oh we don't need trade events and then you know, as we got into the fall and Cedia season, people were like, you know what, maybe we do need them. And uh, the last two years, I think, have affirmed the fact that we do need these in-person trade events. Um, you know, aside from the social stuff of meeting people you only see once or twice a year, but it's getting that industry education, it's seeing the products in person, uh, it's all those ancillary activities that come with the expo. And people really now appreciate that where maybe prior to the pandemic they hadn't yeah that's a great point avi um they they seem very excited as far as uh yeah. emerald uh jason degraw said that they've already got 85 percent of that exhibitor space for 2024 yep. rebooked um from existing exhibitors which is i will say kind of fairly normal um <clears throat> how much of this or, or, or is there a large portion of this that is based on CIX, right? Was, was that a, was that a footnote? What do they have to do to make that aspect of the show? Cause Emerald is pushing it hard and, and I get it. What is it going to take to make that a successful aspect opposed to a bonus? So let me put it to you this way. I don't think our friends at Avixia have too much to worry about in the short term. Um, you know, there was, there was a little bit of contention about bringing commercial into this show. There was, uh, and I did walk the, the CI section just to the CX, side, just to see it. Um, the booths there were fairly small and sparse. There was some, some interesting product, but, you know, again, I think right now it's definitely a footnote. I think it was an experiment. Um, it really depends on how dedicated Emerald wants to be to the space. Are they going to go out and market it successfully? Are they going to go out and really push it hard? I think the fact that the show was as busy as it was has more to do with the fact that the industry is doing well and that the numbers are up and that people are excited about being in the industry rather than separating it out between residential and commercial. Um, I think Denver is definitely a destination. Dallas was a destination. I mean, even Indianapolis was a destination. I, you know, I have no, no qualms about either one of them. But I will say that the excitement on the show floor, there were some exciting things. There were some new product that people were really looking forward to seeing. And it all goes back to the touch and feel. We work in a business. It's all about sight and sound and and expression and emotion. It's really hard to do that via a Zoom call. And so, you know, you you can't interview a speaker. You can't audition a speaker via a Zoom call. And so it's important that we get together and we do these things. And I agree with Bob 
that the initial knee-jerk reaction was, no, 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 everything is fine virtual. And very quickly, people realized, you know, we've, we've got to meet and greet. So just before we leave this one, um, is the success of the CIX side, is that squarely in the hands of Emerald? Or do you think that that is something that, because mm. <clears throat> the way I, the way I view it and, and uh, take this with a grain of salt, but like Crestron is very heavy into both residential and commercial. They can, they can, they can service both markets very easily. The push for me is they have to, uh, Emerald has to get buy-in from the big or the bigger commercial brands to show up like atlas was there they had a nice little booth again not a huge booth a nice little booth but there were a lot of players that heck i use every day in my business on our commercial side that weren't there at all the majority of the companies that i use every day weren't there at all i would make the point that emerald underplayed the ho ci resi event mm -hmm. on the same soil and i think for the event to grow i would like to see and i i say this as a ce pro employee and ce pro we all know is owned by emerald that i think they need to hammer that point home that it's the only domestic event where you can see commercial and resi stuff on the same floor and if you, if integrators want to save a trip to Europe, I get going to Europe's cool and everything, but maybe not in the middle of winter. But um, if they want to um, go to an event and see the latest commercial stuff, which they probably do, where we know that roughly a third to 40 percent of their business is addressing commercial installs, they should be going to CDR Expo and CIX. But does that only work if the manufacturers are there? Because if I was getting into, and maybe I'm getting too deep into this one, but if I was trying to get into res or into commercial, there was not enough solutions there. So, yeah, but it's, it's first year. Yeah. I, no, and I get that. I, I'm just wondering how hard they're going to have to push to get some of the bigger manufacturers on board to show up. And like, yeah, Harman was there and they have a ton of commercial products. They showed next to nothing. Um, and and I, I get it's primarily a residential show, and I get that we don't maybe need a, another Infocom per se. Well, but I think to Bob's point, there's enough integrators out there these days that do both. And so the opportunity exists for them not to have to go to two shows. The opportunity exists for them to go to one show. But it's a definitely a chicken and an egg problem. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. You got to have the manufacturers there to get the crowd, but you got to have the crowd to get the manufacturer. So, you know, to, to Bob's point, absolutely there is opportunity and Emerald needs to hammer it home. The question yeah. becomes how, how big an initiative are they going to run with this uh, and whether or not the manufacturers, because I thought it was very interesting that Crestron only sent their home team, right? Their resi yep. team. There were a couple of people like hospitality was yeah, there. Yeah, but hospitality is um, always there. It, it, you yeah, know what I'm saying? They and, sent and the normal Cedia folks to yeah, that show. They didn't they had a hand. They had one or two commercial people. Mm. Um, but also the yeah, I won't get into that. <laughs> DM me if you want that info. Yeah. Um. All right. That that's a great point. Let's let's leave that one there. Uh. Let's flip into 
a fun little story on AI. This comes to us from Residential Systems and a good fan of the show, a uh, friend of the show as well, Mr. Henry Clifford. Five AI tools you should be using in your CI business right now. Go read through the article. Um, Henry always has uh, a very pertinent information in, in everything he writes. And he actually wrote this one. He didn't let AI write it. Uh, but he covers a couple of um, things that you should be looking into using. Firstly, chat GTP, uh, which should surprise no one. Um, but also mid, uh, sorry, chat GTP plugins um, like uh, photorealistic, Midjourney, uh, Chatbase, and Pictory. Go read through the article. It's very interesting what Henry's playing around with. Avi, we were talking ahead of time. These are fantastic tools. Yeah. And I, 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 as much as I sometimes sound very anti-AI, I'm not. I'm, I'm anti-calling things AI that aren't AI. Yes. That, that's a yeah, whole yeah. Other that, and that's a different problem um, because everybody does. That's a whole different conversation we're not going to get into We today. do not have time for that. Um, no. Not no. really. How long will it be before these start being used on a regular basis by our industry at the, at the integrator level, opposed to looking at it and go, Oh, that's cool. And then just going on with their regular everyday life. I think that to a certain extent, an argument can be made that they already are. Henry writes a great article and, and I always enjoy reading his stuff. And he's got some really great insights in here as to not just what you should use, but how you should be using it, which I think is the important part. What is really the barrier that we're looking at right now is the reliability of some of these tools. It's not so much that they exist. I play with them. My, my clients play with them. My teammates play with them. It's whether or not they're, they're relevant to our daily life, how they're going to help us, and whether or not we can rely on them to be good actors. Because right now, sometimes you put some stuff in there and let's just say the work product is not up to the same level that you would expect it to be if you did it on your own. So I think what, you know, we're, we are just scratching the surface here. I mean, we are literally, the, this is not even, you can't even use the iceberg metaphor yet because there's not even enough peaking up above the water. I mean, we are really, really in early days, you know, three to five years from now, we are never going to even remember having these conversations because the, the concept of AI and the concept of digital assistance are going to be so ingrained in our daily lives. It's going to be as if it was always there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really where it's headed. But the integrators, like every industry on the planet, shouldn't ignore it. And that's why Henry wrote a really great article about, hey, these are the things that you can start to do now to get yourself used to doing it. I mean, look, I'm in technology, but... I got a lot of muscle memory when it comes to the technology that I use and the technology that I interact with. I have to change things that I'm doing in my daily life in order to make sure that I am able to keep up. I look at my kids, that generation, I've got a, a, a millennial and two Gen Zs, and they are using chat GPT and things like that in school. They're using it in their daily lives. And they're, because of their upbringing in sort of this generational technology stuff, they're much more focused and much more easily adjusted to this new stuff. Integrators have always been a little cautious, right? You know, the, 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 yeah. we're always a little conservative about what we do and how we do it. Henry's article goes a long way to help us understand what we should be doing with these tools and why we shouldn't be ignoring them. 
Yeah, that's a great point. All right, my friend Bob. I saved the annoyingly questionable question for you. <laughs> well, I'll come up with an annoying answer then. <laughs> you, you'll be fantastic, I promise. One of the things when I saw this that kind of pro- popped up into my head and, and uh, gave me a little bit of pause. I remember back in the day when integrators were first starting to add dynamic you know, imagery to their websites. And then when Instagram popped and all of a sudden you had a litany of conversations happening in chat groups and forums and all this other jazz about a local integrator who has a competitor who's either using his photography or their photography um, or using stock photography to purport that they have built these amazing things that they have never done or potentially have at least never done that look as nice as that. It would be like me going in and taking Dennis Erskine's latest theater build and saying, look at what we have done today. Yeah, but Dennis is a nice enough guy. He'll let you use it. No, he won't. <laughs> I've asked. <laughs> Poor Dennis. Not even here to defend himself. Are, not at all. Are we at a point, and because it's a podcast, you'll probably never hear. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to post it Are now. We at, anyway. Please do. Send it directly to right. him. Are we at a point where there is concern that, heck, not, not even just us, but just companies in general are going to use, again, AI photography mm-hmm. to generate things to market themselves that's, it's on the verge of false advertising. I, I think we, we are there and um, we as an industry have to be careful of that. You know, you know um, there will be competitors out there in any given market, you know, one will play by the rules, so to speak. But the guy down the street may not, and dealers are going to have to deal with that. I would would caution people, if they're going to use these tools for their sale, sales and marketing efforts, they need to make sure that these tools are truly up to the task. We're talking not only the legalities in the case of photos of copyright and the, and the whole ethical argument of using particular photos, but we're also talking about SEO requirements. If you want to get your business out there... You have to follow the proper SEO guidelines, which is a moving target that Google, we all know Google dictates all of that stuff. And if this um, AI isn't following Google's latest algorithms, what good's it going to do? You've, you've got to vet these these uh, tools. You've got to make sure that they're accurate, they're reliable. They're, we're, we're, we're a long ways off from all of that right now. I think it's good to keep an eye on that stuff, but... Dealers need to be very cautionary before they step into uh, purchasing these tools and using them to help their businesses. Is there a point where, and I'll give you a, an example from our company. We don't do a lot of ultra modern projects. We just don't. Our, our clientele is not buying um, the white painted drywall box. Mm-hmm. So in turn, when we go to pitch those, when I flip through our photo deck, it doesn't look like the modern homes because we don't do modern homes. We typically do more traditional classic homes. Mm-hmm. At what point do, for example, my company, do we generate some photography that shows a beautiful theater in a white box that appeals to the younger, um, you know, kind of yuppie population that wants that ultra modern thing? 
as a sales tool because there's no difference in us doing that in a traditional home versus a modern home other than we just haven't done it. So to get our foot in the door, is there an issue with that? Well, there's been stock photography for a very long time. So you could make an argument that you're using stock photography. I don't think the AI concept comes into play necessarily in marketing and advertising as long as you want to be as truthful as you can in advertising. I mean, people, you know, you could write a little tagline, you know, not an actual home. I don't know. There's, you know, there's <laughs> ways to do that. But but I think to your point, I, I think it's more than just I want to branch out. I want to do things that maybe I don't have photography of my own work doing. I think it's more along the lines of when I ask ChatGPT to write copy for me, right, or write a, a marketing statement for me, it's very easy because it's hyperbole and everybody understands it's marketing. And so if the chat GPT goes, you know, a little South on you, you can bring it back. I think where it becomes more salient is things like proposals, for instance, you can't necessarily use it as a proposal tool because there's too much fact and figure that goes into a proposal for an AI to understand the methodologies of your business and be able to produce a proposal. But if you feed it with proposals that you've currently it, written, it's it's going to it's going to learn it and it's going to get better at it. But I think this is where the the line is drawn today is sort of between mm -hmm. the concept of creativity and the concept of of facts and figures. AI is very good at the creativity part. You know, I think like anything else, Matt. There, homeowners are looking for transparency, you know, whether they're, they're, they're remodeling their home or buying a car, like you were talking about, you know, prior to uh, the taping of this, you, you want honesty with all of this. And if you show a client a safe, a Crestron um, lighting install, and you tell the client, this is a Crestron lighting install, I think they're fine with that. But if, if they perceive that you're misrepresenting that install, that's when I think yeah. the client's going to say, whoa, whoa, maybe I can't trust this guy. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Let's hit one last story real quickly before we leave. Uh, this comes to us from Residential Tech Today. DTools has published their 2023 mid-year market health report. Go read through it. It's full of a bunch of uh, really interesting information there. Bob... Was there anything in this report that kind of came off as surprising to you? Or is this kind of where where we expected the market to be? No, I, I think this is about accurate. I, uh, um, I recall I, a few, several months ago, I, I, I visited a dealer in New Hampshire and he was talking about, and I asked him, he, his specialty is like audiophile audio products. And he, you know, he does all the other stuff too, but he's an audiophile at heart. And I was asking him how the sales period and uh, this year was going compared to last year. And he was like, last year or the last couple of years because of the pandemic were outliers because people were stuck at home. Sales were through the roof. So naturally this year, the sales are down. So it wouldn't be reasonable to compare the current numbers to the last couple of years because it's it's apples and oranges, and I think that's where we need to uh, look at these numbers. Yes, the numbers are down in that in that article from DTools, but um, maybe if you compare them to 2019, maybe it more be uh, it may be more in line 
with how the market really is. Yeah, and this is reflected, Matt, in all over Wall Street, right? I mean, there's oh yeah the anomalies of the pandemic are somewhat taken into account sometimes. I read various reports about import-export and shipping costs and things like that. The truth of the matter is most of these guys these days at least have gotten smart enough that they are comparing against 2018 and 2019, and they're sort of skipping the whole yeah. pandemic era. The yeah. the same can be said for this Tools report. That was the, the thing that stuck out to me was that they say it's a 5.2% decrease year over year, but they don't tell you what it was in 18, 19, or 20. Yeah. Did you find it surprising, Avi, um, the most in, often installed products were electrical based? No, because we, again, taking into account what happened during the pandemic, most of your low voltage, your, you upgraded your networking, you upgraded your control, you upgraded the creature comforts of your home. So the fact that now it's electrical, I think is again, it, it could be attributed to just an anomaly, right? Five out of the six months were lighting. Yeah. Could just be an anomaly or could be attributed to the fact that, I mean, Netgear had their best year ever. Yeah. Right. In, in 22. So, you know, everybody bought really great networking gear. So now they're looking, all right, so now I got all this bandwidth. What am I going to do with it? Right. And this is this, uh, this, is the, this is the fun part. Um, but I also think it's, it's that bullwhip effect of what's available. Networking gear was in scarce supply. Lighting control systems were even in more scarce supply during the pandemic. The supply chain hit the electrical side much harder. And so now things are completely available. And so people are making those purchases. What's more interesting to me is the next six months, because now everybody's back from vacation, because let's face it, yep. everybody knows that everybody took a vacation this past summer. Doesn't matter where you went, but you went somewhere. Now you're home. We have a second Prime Day coming up. People are going to get used to buying again. Right. I was at the CTA last week. They're predicting a very successful holiday season for 2023. Based on everything that they have heard, the supply chain issues are pretty much behind us at this point. As a matter of fact, televisions, there's a, there's a, a, a glut of televisions on the market right now. So now's the time to buy all your TVs. Um, but the next six months are going to be very telling as to where things start to settle out. And that was a lot of the people I spoke to at Cedia are readjusting their businesses again. They're, they're over the, the real busy time of the pandemic. They've gotten through the, the little bit of the trough that happened in the first half of this year. And now they've sort of settled out and they're back to business. All right, gentlemen, let's wrap it there. Thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, Avi, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Blusov, where can they do that? Uh, you can do that on our website at www.blusav.com. Uh, but you can also find us on the Facebook and on the LinkedIn and on the Instagram and on the threads and all of those happy places as well. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. Mr. Archer, if people want to connect with you, learn more about CE Pro, where can they do that? They can go to cepro.com. Or if they want to see what I'm up to, they can go to Instagram at BA1, the numeral one, one number one, uh, BA1 Boston. Excellent. Thank you both again. 
for joining us. Uh, thank you for joining us as well. If you'd like to connect with me, uh, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter or X or whatever they're calling it these days and most other social platforms other than TikTok. But more importantly, please visit avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.